everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm your host, Eric Quanstrom, the CMO at Science. Today's episode, well, frankly, we've got a genius on our hands. A sales genius, to be honest. That's right. Joe Ingram, the sales genius, uh, guests for us. And you're going to love this interview. It is chock full of some great tips, especially some of the neuroscience that we get into. You're going to learn all about what the two in 20 rule is. And Joe really brings it. You know, Joe's the CEO of Ingram Interactive, um, the president of BDC Genius the co-founder of One Life Productions, and has just decades of experience of building out inside sales teams. You'll hear um, some of his key tips, some of his key insights come through in this interview. Man, this is a fun one. This is uh, just packed full of useful information and takeaways uh, for everyone listening. So without further ado, enough of me talking. Let's get to Joe. Here he is. All right. Well, we're back with Joe Ingram. And Joe, you know, not every day that everyone calls themselves a sales genius. I know. Or gets their license plate on their car just to be that bold. Right. And reason with it. Yes. And there's what, like 25 million vehicles in California. So that, right. I mean, I'm the only one out there rocking the sales genius. <laughs> you beat everyone to the punch. So unpack that for us. How did you get sure. the label? What so, does it mean to you? So I got into um, automotive space somewhere around 2000. And I went in as call center manager. And in the call center manager role, they were called uh, business development centers. That's where we do all the work for the sales department because they never want to do the non-boring stuff. They only want to do the chance to close, right? And so uh, that was my first taste into the automotive space. I came from electrical engineering, and then I built a um, inside sales team for a criminal defense law firm. So I tell everybody, I love the phone. I look just like Brad Pitt over the phone. <laughs> so it, it helps a lot, right, when, when you could do it over the phone. So I went in to go do the, the BDC within, and I got hired for two different dealerships owned by the same parent company. And so I work half a day, half a day. One of them was a let's say contaminated room of phone reps where they learned all the systems and cheated everything. And so they would say, Oh, did so-and-so buy today? That's great. And then they go back in and add a lead into the CRM to say it was theirs and stuff. Right. Oh, and wow. then, so that that's the team I took over there. The other one was brand new. There was nothing in it. They just said, hire people, let's build the call center and you're going to handle internet requests, phone calls, Right. And reaching out to customers and do some follow ups. And we said, OK, great. Um, gutted the first room, brought everybody in. The parent company did this with 10 different dealerships. So they built the 10 different call centers in these dealerships. I had two of the 10. So I was 20 percent of their success. Okay. OK. At the end of their sixth, sixth month, there was three of us left. Two of them with me, one with one other person that happened to be the dealership closest to us because I could go help them. And so it was one of those things I was like, hey, this this is great. So I got nicknamed in the industry as the BDC genius. Okay. So my other license plate said BDC genius on it. And then what happened was from the BDC, I learned more of what is it you're supposed to do over the phone? What's the difference between phone, email? text what are you doing that's different than what people are doing face to face and yeah. so i i mastered that then because of that the answer was can you take over the sales team too and then i took it and built up the the companies and so like for example me running a dealership as the general sales manager handling all the sales um i took several rooftops to a thousand cars a month the average across the United States is 89 cars a month. Wow. 
Okay. So I get to giggle and I get to text Grant and say, ha, more than 10 X. But it's, it's one of those things that it, it became very instinctual, very easy for me. So I graduated from the BDC or SDRs, right? The BDC yeah. genius into the sales genius. And then truly sales genius encompasses those other ones too. But a lot of my branding still says BDC genius on the top <laughs> to, to go through. So, I dig it. Well, and if, if other people are giving you the label, you got to accept it, right? I, I totally ran with it. I was like, what can I do to separate myself? And I'm like, yes, use the one they're calling me. I mean, people call me nicknames, but not most of them you can make into a business. So <laughs> I, but I was like, okay, this one's clean. I can actually say that one. But so that's what uh, I did. And then I've taken it to other industries. I've done software sales. I've done, you know, I've taken it over into actually moving companies. So people that are actually, you call to hire a mover. I have the SDRs that'll bump you, that'll get you to to do other stuff and how to convert more, how to, to flip everybody virtual. So. I love it. So lots of B2C and even some B2B experience in there yes. over two decades of kind of raising the roof, raising the ceiling on uh, total sales. Yes, absolutely. So, so let's start from this perspective. What was it? especially even go back in time where those other, you know, nine um, teams that were set up and all the resources were probably the exact same. Uh, what made you so successful? And, and what was at the root of the transformative behaviors, mindset? What were you guys doing different? So I believe there's two things that determine your success when you're on the inside sales team. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's going to be activities and attitude. And I believe they're multipliers. So it's not my attitude plus my activities. Your attitude is a multiplier to your activity. So when I would sit down with people, I'm like, you're going to do these activities. And they're like, great, fine, I'll do it. I'm like, okay, so you're going to go do what 100 calls? You're going to make 100 calls with a zero of an attitude? 100 times a zero is zero. Yep. You're not getting anything out of it. But if I just sit here in the room with you and I have the best attitude possible and I'm just sitting back going, I read the secret. So I'm going to sit here and just wait for all of the money to come in into me here in the room. Right. No, it's got to be the motion part that has to come up. Right. And so I, I would explain to them. Great. So do nothing with a great attitude. You got nothing. Do more than enough. But with the wrong attitude, you're not going to get it. So we need to break down and say, what's the attitude like and what are the activities you're doing? Because they have to be the right activities as well. So I would outline everybody's day. I'm very detail oriented, you could say. So I would break out the whole day and say, here's what you're going to do. Do I care if it's done by minute? By No, I don't. I really just care that by the end of the day, we've accomplished all of these things. But I don't want your attitude to be worthy or step away. Don't pick up the phone, right? The phone is the the most crucial tool you have in any business because it's the it's an immediate call to action. Yeah, I, I love the the phone because it is so kind of almost like every sequence that you ever run, you get a connected call. It ends right there, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's a it's an instant result. Right. Yeah. You don't need to continue on activities with that individual. Uh, or that prospect when you get them on the line, right? Like it's finality right there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things where like I go into companies and they have a CRM tool that they're tracking everybody with. Sorry, customer relations management. I know we all know it, but I'll say it for the newbie. But when you look at it, you go, okay, great. They've have all of this follow-up set up. And then I say to them, I look at it and I go, okay, so wait, right here, you have a, the person was contacted and you have follow-ups that happen after it automated. And they go, yeah, we don't want you to miss anything. I go, if I talk to the person, I'm the only person who should be setting a follow-up. Right. I you don't tell Why would you tell me every three days I got to follow up with someone that I had a conversation to that told me that I'm on vacation for the next two weeks. Right. Call me back then. And I go, so every three days I have to go in there and try to, you know, Jerry rigged this CRM to think I did something because I'm not calling them when they're in France. 
right? To say, hey, this cost you eight bucks for me to say, I still know you're on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> also teaches learned helplessness. You yeah, know. absolutely. Again, and what happens to them? Your brain gets to the point where I am no longer going to think for myself, which right. means I no longer have the ability to rethink my way out of a situation I find myself in. And the answer is, hold on, let me get my manager. So let's shift uh, gears over to the buy side. And, you know, obviously kind of outperformance in the, the way that you talked about earlier. And I'm guessing that that, that followed, you know, station to station as, as you've grown both your consulting and three businesses um, that you do. I'm imagining you're drinking your own champagne to use a France reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, so along those lines, what is it that kind of inside sales teams, BDRs, whatever we want to call them, regardless, and I don't think there's that much of a difference between B2C and B2B. No, um, it's people to people. It's people to people, right? It's one-to-one. It's human. Yep. Um, on the buy side, shouldn't our mindset be entirely around where we want to take a conversation, but with their interests at heart, right? Because ultimately, we're getting them to say yes. We're getting them to a point of wanting to carry on the conversation further. Right. The focus is always going to be on that prospect that I'm trying to sell to. When right. it's about you, guess what? You come off as desperate. You come off as an egomaniac. And then nobody wants to buy from you. Well, and this is where the neuroscience kind of like is overwhelming in this regard, isn't it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And again, what are you triggering in them? Okay. So I tell people all the time, I go, can you rephrase that without being salesy? <laughs> could, could you not sound like you're desperate to make a deal? And they're like, what? And I'm like, no, like, again, if you look over, like I've done software sales where I've got the, the we're selling CRMs to businesses and you go into them and they're like, you got somebody going, well, you know what? Um, we can make you this much money and we can do this and we can do that. And I'm like, have you said anything to them about them? Right. Right. Neuroscience alone will tell you the favorite topic of the person you're talking to is the person you're talking to, right? If that's the case, why am I ignoring? Now, I'm not the guy that says, let's let's go completely old school and you need to go, you know, try to get into their office and right. see what's on the wall and see if you can find similar. I don't do that. I don't go go in and look for something. I'm not I'm not sitting over the phone going, is that a dog I hear in the background? My goodness, what kind of dog is? I don't do that. Yeah. Right. That that's phony, and you're you're searching for rapport. Sure. And people pick up on that, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, here he goes." And you know, whatever dog I tell him, he's gonna say he has the same one, right? And so, well, there, there's build... a pretty good chance that most of the people you're calling in this line of work, it's not their first rodeo. Absolutely, not and their again, first cold call. <laughs> the respect that you get for acknowledging it, right? Okay, I, I, we used to do this where I, I ran a whole inside sales team and we were calling into businesses all the time. One of the big things, the the SDR with the person sitting inside doing the cold calling, what you are forgetting is what it's like on the other side of the phone. Okay, so I, I went into one company where they had never hired somebody from outside. So they brought me in to shake up the sales force that was cold calling into these companies. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, I call. And the person said they're busy. And I'm like, okay. So before you get off the phone, why don't you ask them, right, what their goal is for the day, right? Change it around so you know what they're trying to accomplish. What's your goal for today, right? You're busy right now. I totally get it. I'm going to get off the phone, you know, before you even realize it. But what's your goal for today? How many things are you going to sell? What are you going to get done? Blah, blah. And they go, oh, well, we're, I'm doing this, this, and this. Go, okay, great then I'm going to call you back tomorrow. And now I'm calling you back to do what? Check in on your goal. And so when I call in and go, hey, what happened yesterday? And they're like, oh, I didn't sell a thing. I didn't sell a thing or I didn't do anything. Nobody reached out to us. It was, and I'm like, oh, so the lead generation is not working like that. And I just got your, your pain point. Okay. But it also tells me you weren't busy. Right. When, when I called you the first time. You were busy being ready in case an opportunity happened. And as soon as you shift in your head that if they were in front of a person doing what they do, they would not be talking to you on the phone. 
Right. So the fact they picked it up, right? But your brain has to know that. Is if they picked it up, they have time. And that'll trigger an endorphin in your head, right? You'll get that dopamine hit if you realize them answering is the first trigger point that comes in. And again, why would you answer in the middle of a meeting? You wouldn't. Like, yeah. And right now I wouldn't grab my phone and go, guess what? I'm over here uh, doing a show, right? It would make no sense. And so they're not doing anything other than, oh, you're not the right person. So when they say that, like if they turn around and go, oh, actually, I'm in a meeting and I'm like, wow, that was kind of kind of gangster of you just to answer the phone in the middle of a meeting. And they'll stop and go, what? what? And I go, you thought I was somebody you'd really want to talk to. Is that why you answered? Right. And they'll they'll tell you that. They'll do the same thing. They'll go, yeah. I go, and now you're thinking I'm stuck on a on a sales call from somebody trying to sell me something I don't need. Right. And all that does is flip their brain around the opposite way of what they're thinking. Because right. what is true rapport? I understand your situation. Yes. And that'll I'll do it right away. But I, I do a, a term I coined, which is assumed rapport. Okay. So if I know the industry I'm calling into, if I know the job position I'm calling into to get to, then all I got to do is go do a quick Google search and find out what their major stressors are. Yeah. And if I understand that, then I'm going to go in and go, look, I understand you've probably got six people outside your office. You've got this and this, so I'll be quick. And it totally, totally disarms you, right? Or if I were able to quote something that only they would realize, okay, and go, so we just finished the month. Is the CEO coming down on you based on performance? And then they stop and go, how would you? Yeah. <laughs> and that right there puts me ahead of everybody else who's cold calling these people, right? To get you put to, them first. I put well, and there's rapport, right? Why? Because everybody's seeking to be heard. Yeah, it's the, the the human needs, right? I need to be recognized and I need to be understood. So when I start with it, when I just assume we're already friends, I'm going to totally skip the first three minutes of rapport building that it says on the scripts. Totally. Well, the other thing that's really interesting, and, and I, I want to point this out for our, our listeners out there, you know, you did, I, I think I counted at least four labels there in the way that you were just kind of dipping into role play. And labeling is such a powerful way to control a conversation and to, you know, ironically enough, build rapport, even if you <laughs> feel like you already have or are assuming rapport. Well, again, the assuming, if I assume I have rapport, I can operate and label without feeling the chance of the sting of mislabeling or doing something else. Because you go, oh, so so you're probably pretty stressed right now because of, and you're like, dude, you're not talking to me. You're you're reading to me. And again, that's going to tell me you're not confident enough in what you're doing. But if we are already friends... You just haven't bought from me yet. The The tonality takes a completely different structure, moving me into the fact that I could be somebody because stop and look at your best client. The ones that you closed one call close, right? That's my goal <laughs> on everything. One sure. call close. What what is it about that client? You literally picked up the phone and found your personality match on the other end of the phone. So you didn't have to change you because you were a reflection of that person. Okay. The odds of that happening, what, 25%? That's what most people end up with a success rate. They're like, I got a hundred leads and I got 20 to 25 sales out of it. And you're like, that means you only, you only sold to the people that are like you. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, what if you could adapt your personality? Right. And that takes a lot of, a lot of work in the head. To sit down first, identify yourself, then identify other people so that you can pull out a part of yourself and almost mimic that personality. Okay. That's your version of that personality, not mimic them. Right. Okay. That's, that's just rude. But when you look at it, I want you to mimic your version of that personality and you'll find rapport flows so smoothly that you don't even realize that, you know, you're already discussing. They'll even come out to say, so what is it you got? Yeah. And you're like, wow, who would you ask that of? Your friend. You wouldn't say anything else, right? I avoid 
any industry term, right? Like I, I won't say I can get you the contract, right? What what does that picture in your head? And I I, I explain sales as you are controlling the images in your prospect's brain, okay? And if, with the words you're using. So choose your words very carefully because you can't, if I'm on the phone, I have to create a visual right? that's pleasing to them. I don't know them, okay? I haven't got a lot out of them to start it. So the, that's, why, that's why conversations build. Yeah. Is because somebody slips up and shares something and you're like, oh, I could run with that. And now we start going further as opposed to keeping in the standoff off which way. But you know what I really like about kind of the framework that you're laying out is, and I want to go back a click or two, you know, to assuming that you're already friends with everyone you're calling. And, you know, you, you even laid it out there. Your goal is the one call close, which rare is a unicorn, but it still also packs into it somewhat as a forcing function almost this idea that, hey, what I'm calling with is just as valuable as anything else you're going to hear that day, that week, that month. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when you believe that, doesn't that, it's almost like a sea change in the seller's brain for how the, 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 the construct, if you will, the equal footing that happens is so established. Like, for an example, have you ever had a glowing testimonial from one of your customers you sold to? Hundreds. Hundreds. So what I teach people is I say, read five before you dial the phone. Right. Okay. Because your brain's going to get fl absolutely flooded, okay, with feel goods all over itself because other people are saying what you've done for them then are you truly calling to sell something or are you calling to be the, the the person who helps the next person achieve what they want? Create the next best success story. Yes. And again, if you're not reading your client, if you don't have client testimonials, guess what? You're in the wrong game. But um, if you look at it and say, of course, you're going to have client testimonials. You're going to have this. I had somebody reach out and call me I pick up the phone. I'm management. So what normally is it every time I pick up the phone? It's heat yeah, of some kind, right? Guy goes, hi, I'm like three hours away from you. I want to get this product, but I know I have to come there to get it. And it's going to be for this family member. It's going to be. And I was like, okay. and I, I immediately took the posture and I said, I completely understand. And I said, who on my staff is preventing you from doing this? And he goes, no one. And I was like, then I, I'm just confused. How did you get to me? He goes, no, I asked for you. I said, do we know each other? And he's like, no, but on the business profile on Yelp, you're the one that everybody says, handled my problem, did everything and blah, 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 blah. So I was like, might as well just start with the guy who's who everybody likes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, that makes more sense to me now. But yeah. I immediately in my head was saying, Someone told him he can't buy something at the price he wants to buy it, or they don't want to negotiate, or they don't want to do. And I was like, okay. But that was still my head was going in the wrong spot because I'm like, here comes another heater. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny too. And I think that in the hands of junior employees who maybe haven't built the callus yet, haven't built up that confidence, don't have the greatest idea of what good looks like and, and what you know, kind of like path to take somebody on to have successful outcomes repeatedly. Some of these techniques can can oftentimes like blow up, right? Like I've yeah. seen people where you give them a ton of testimonials and they get so high on the supply that that's all they want to talk about. That That's where they, oh. you know. It, it was for you to do. You do a line of testimonials before you pick up the phone, right? That way you're amped up. It's oh. not, let me send you, you know, my highlight reel. Right. Of sales because nobody cares about you. Why? Who's who's the topic again? You went right back to you. Okay. And you should be talking about them and what you can do for them as opposed to them. Um, one thing I'll, I'll point out too, because I deal with a lot of heat. And I know a lot of us get the customer who's in a tizzy and upset with something or another. Um, it's a chemical thing that happens with your brain. Okay. It's called the 220 rule. Okay, it takes two seconds to go animal. 
Okay. And it takes 20 minutes for you to come back to being a human. Okay. Anyone married will know this. Okay. But when you look at it and say, okay, I said something that was incorrect, something that was wrong, something that got that, that client to that. I hit that two seconds, adrenaline spikes, right? And it takes 20 minutes for the adrenaline to be reabsorbed into the bloodstream, leave the brain, leave the panic, the fight or flight. And what do you get with most people? Fight. Yeah. Because I'm on the phone or I'm on chat or I'm texting, whatever. Even if you're face to face, the answer is I'm going to fight you based on what you've said because you literally triggered the actual adrenaline spike in my body with whatever happened. Yeah. And so, but if you try to solve it, okay, you can't solve it because they lack the ability to be logical. Yeah. So I can I can really upset you. Then I sit back and go, well, you know, two plus two is four, right? Liar? You're a liar? <laughs> oh, sure. In your funky sales math, maybe. And you're like, come on. Right? But it, so it's 20 minutes from their last elevated outburst. Right. Okay. And so and some people's elevated out, out outburst is just you can see their jaws locked and they're just sitting there like <laughs> and you're like yeah. oh you're grinding your teeth so but you got 20 minutes since then so i i was jokingly called the firefighter in a lot of the companies i go into and they would go they'd be like man we can throw anybody upset with you you know with us throw you in there and you solve the problem and i'm like well of course but i'm literally checking my watch Waiting. For the 20 minutes, yeah. right? And then they go, and then this, and I was like, what? Let's start the 20 minutes again. Yeah. Okay. And so, but keep them getting till that point. Because what happens after the argument? You know, the, you're, the other person goes, I'm really sorry I said that. That's not what I meant. And it wasn't. Because it's not. It's an animal reaction to fight and attack and go after that. But Or just for feeling like a certain way, you know, like you're feeling... Your expectations weren't met. You you didn't get what you deserved or what you expected, you know, and, right. and we get all indignant as humans along those yeah. lines. We, we were too entitled for everything. Yeah. We, well. we didn't actually explain what our expectations were. Right. No. And of course, the, the, the sales rep didn't even ask me what my expectations were. They just told me this is going to happen. And so it just didn't happen. Because again, we can clarify everything along the way so that we don't have those at the end. And that's what the truly great salespeople do is they explain the process first so the person knows where they're going and then as you go you actually add credibility to yourself because i said right if i said i'm going to give you three things that's going to help you today to do this right your brain is looking for what three things those three things yeah if and you don't know what they are yet yeah but if i were to give you three things then your brain goes oh said three gave three points for joe right the subconscious is doing all that work by the way everything's everything is behind the scenes right and so you have to control the pictures in their head i also explained that the basic element of sales is providing a logical explanation for their emotional decision to buy right so you have to be able to explain to me logically to I, I pretend everybody owes grandma money. Okay. <laughs> Even if it's the company, I'm like, you owe grandma money and they're going to want to know why you just authorized a $15,000 purchase with an ongoing $5,000 service agreement. Okay. I have to be able to regurgitate back to them the logical benefit that they got from making this decision so that if ever pinned, you can go back can to grandma. Give, they can say it right back. Because if grandma says, why'd you spend that money when you owe me that much money? Yeah. I have to be able to say, well, grandma, I understand. If we if we don't have this maintenance program going on, right, on the servers, we could lose everything at this point. And we have to have this. And I'd rather have the ability to go after somebody. And based on the bids I got, this was by far the most economical, right, with the best customer rating. Now they go, I get it. But if I don't give you that that verbiage you leave it up to the person you're trying to sell right and again they're going to sit on the other side and going can i sell my decision yeah and you'll find what are the pictures in their brain at that point 
Right. Well, they're sitting there going, I'm getting yelled at and I can't tell you why I did this other than I just like the guy on the, that I was talking to. Yeah. Right. That's a super great insight. Um, I'd love to go back to kind of like the personality match and adapting mm-hmm. one's personality. Um, are you using a personality kind of like very familiar or popular um, types of personality? So um, I look at, so for the basics, when I, when I train or when I teach people about it, I use DISC. Yeah, DISC is okay. great. So di- and the reason why is because it's been wildly accepted across corporations as something that they can implement and get done. I use it because at any point you can go online and say fris- free DISC assessment. personality assessment and yeah. somebody can go do it to validate themselves on what they know. And so to say, this is who I am, that's step one. So to me, I've already developed another personality program that's mine, but that's because I've done every one of them that's out there. Mm-hmm. I've done the 16 personalities. I've done the the disc profiling. We've done Myers-Briggs. We've done all of the things that are out there. They're all very, very similar. Yeah. And they you all get to the same outcome, which truly ends up somewhere around a mixture of four, right? Just depends how heavy you are in each area. But what I like to do is identify these individuals. And if you can identify them, for example, um, the person that is the most susceptible to input, right? And going with you that really cares about feeling, okay? That personality type, okay? Is they elongate their vowels. How easy is that to pay attention to on the phone? They answer the phone, they go, hello. Right. And now when they say that, when you start hearing them elongate the vowels, you're like, oh, this person's looking, not looking for the best time. They're looking for a good time. Right. <laughs> that's what they're trying to come to. And it's like, okay, that's what I need to be. Yeah. And so then you can match those people. Now, in every one of the personality tests you get out there, it's if you break it down and go, there's four, four distinct types. Everybody has all four in them. It's just to the extent in which you utilize those four. Yeah. So if we if we have all four and somebody's really obnoxious and outgoing and they're just the life of the party and someone is very reserved and what have you, can the very reserved person become the life of the party? They have to consciously want to. With enough alcohol. But that's a yeah, different exactly. story. So true. Right. But what is that? I just lost my inhibition or my ability to think about myself from everybody watching me. Right. And and can we get somebody who's an outgoing, obnoxious individual to actually balance a checkbook? We could if we gave them enough time. Right. Or enough alcohol. But we could get them to that point to sit still long enough. Right. Riddling, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We all have the ability to adapt. We choose not to. And when we choose not to adapt our personality to the prospect, who is it you're looking at again? You. You're not looking at. Yeah. So to me, I match and mirror instinctively now. Okay. And here's some things for matching and mirror. If you're face to face, we all understand what matching and mirroring is. It means every time you touch your face, I should touch my face. But I should do it between three and five seconds. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Because if you do it before three seconds or after five seconds, the brain will pick up on it. Mm. Okay. So you have to be able to pay attention to that and go, okay. So again, instinctively, you will do it. Now, if you decided to go rub your head like this, I don't have to go like this too, right? I can just simply bring my hand to my face. Yeah. That's enough of of it. And remember, who am I talking to? You're unconscious. I'm literally trying to match you there. So that's great. But what happens when we spend all day on the phone? Right? I can't see you to match you. So mm-hmm. then I've got to go and match you by listening to you. So right. I tell you, you have to match them based on the energy they put into the call. Okay, so I rank everybody scale of one to 10. So as I'm listening to him, I'm like, wow, this person's a six. So then I say, I have to be a seven. I want to be a little bit excited version of them. So now I've got them upbeat because it'll pull them up. But I can't be a nine and them at a six and think I'm going to pull them up. There's just way too much polarity going on. Yeah. 
So I would need that ability to pay attention, listen to them. So I will match their energy over the phone. Okay. So what I'm hearing though, real quick to interrupt you, small, it's basically the small notch up is the the real secret, right? So someone's at a two, don't be at a seven, right? Like I'd be at two and a half. Yeah. Come in at a three. Right. If you come in at three, it's going to be harsh. Right. So I will start at two o'clock. I'll, I'll start at two level two. Right. I'll start at two and I'll amp them up a little bit over over the next 60 seconds to a two and a half. Yeah. And see if they follow. If they don't, I'll just stay right there at two and a half and be an excited version of them and hope they wake up. But most people, you can step them through as you go based on your energy, based on tone and inflection. Okay. If they're really dry talking, I'll be really dry talking and then I'll spike with a tone and inflection somewhere. Okay. One of the the key things, there's two things more, right? Two things. So now I'm going to build trust with you. Right, Everyone, warning, can. warning. You've yes, got number listening. one. We've got the yes, energy. You've got number one, which is matching their energy, right? Number two, okay, is when you're listening to this individual, you have to be able to pay attention to the speed at which they speak. Okay. Now we all know there's fast talkers. We all know at the end of radio commercials, it used to be one of this price. Right. And you were like, what? What was that? That's all the disclaimers, the warnings. And now all of the medical disclaimers have been slowed down. Yeah. Right. And it's like, why? Because everybody said, I never heard any of that at the end. And you're like, why? No, there was actually a legal, legal number. You were allowed to speed up over the, the talking of your, your actual commercial to be for that. And so it was painful, but it was like, okay, you can amp it up 2.7 times to go through. And I'm like, wow, you know, even on audible, I push it to 1.7 or 1.8 to get through some people's books, but to go two point something times the, the speed, that's pretty harsh. But the goal was what? To get it right past you. So you can only pick up keywords. Yeah. So I, I tell everybody, pay attention to that. Now, this is where it's going to kick you in the tail. Okay. If you are a slow talker talking to a fast talker, okay, what does what does a fast talking person think of a slow talker? Speed it up. Yeah. You're not that smart. Otherwise, you would be matching my speed. Right. <laughs> so they sit there. Think of it. Think about listening to any politician out there. The second they put too many spaces in between, you're like, oh. This is painful. I don't want to talk about this. Come on, get to the point. Yeah. Okay? But what happens if you're a slow talker and you're talking to a fast talker? You associate them to the end of a radio commercial. Right. And you're like, of course, you're trying to speed up. You're trying to get me to, to, to say yes to something I don't even understand. Okay. So as a fast talker that you are, right, I talk fairly quickly. So as a fast talker, I would have to listen and slow down to match the person I'm with. And that's way more rapport yeah. building than anything else. And if you're if you're on the phone, if you're listening to people go through, even on Zoom, if they have to go, I'm sorry, what was that? Okay. Then you are out talking that person. And you need to throttle back. As a slow talker, Unless you want to be deemed as less than intelligent, you need to speed it up. And that only comes from memorization of what you're saying. Yeah. Comes with consistent, perfect repetition, right? To get you to the point of memorizing it the right way. Because then you can speed up. If I said, what's your cell phone number? You can tell me. If I go faster. Yeah. Faster. You could still speed up two, three times faster than what you would naturally say. Because it's memorized and you don't have to think about it. Yeah. And so you have to be that well versed in your script that you can adjust and throttle your speed. Okay. So energy and speed, energy still is tone and inflection at the same time. Okay. The third thing you have to listen to when you're talking to somebody, and this comes across in emails, it comes across in text messages, and it comes across on the phone, definitely in person, but is the key words for them. Like if you were sitting down going, I'm going to do an advertisement of myself and Google said, well, what's the keywords we should assign to you? You have to listen to keywords for them. 
So I talked to somebody who was on a different show earlier, and this person said something. I'm like, wow, you were amazing. I go, that was just amazing. And I go, yeah, and amazing is my word. I already know that. And they're like, what? If I go, if I said, if I stop to say terrific, then it's out of character for me. And it's not my default go-to word. But amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So I have a I have a friend of mine who will walk up to me and go, You want to know what's out of this world? And I'm like, whatever. Right. Doesn't doesn't phase me in the slightest. But if I go back to him now and I go, man, the most out of this world thing happened today. And he goes, what? <laughs> and I'm like, personal space, personal space, back up. Yeah. But you have to listen for their key words on what they're looking for. Okay. Because if you use your keywords on top of theirs, you don't, you lost rapport again. Right. If, you, if the guy goes, wow, that sounds great. I go, of course, it sounds terrific. You're like, I'm sorry. No, that totally ruined it. But I would be listening to you describe something. If I asked you about what happened with the last vendor and they go, I'm telling you that it was obscene how much they were charging us. OK, so what now do I what do I associate? Well, obscene is a bad thing when it comes to pricing. And so what I would tell them is I go, look. There's no way I'll get anywhere close to that obscene number that the other place was charging. And then they go, you heard me. Oh, I yeah. like that. They don't stop and go, you used my word. No. They go, oh, you're, we're right on point together. Yeah. We all want them to do this. Are There's you no a fan of even diving further, almost verbal jujitsu style, into when you recognize a keyword for them? So like your example for, of just a second ago. And they were obscene. Maybe asking a question. Oh my gosh, obscene. Wow, that's a strong word. How so? Like, tell me more. You could. It does go more sales though. I'm using it as a write that down to use back. Okay. As the rapport, rapport builder. Okay. Because later if I go, I wouldn't even do the obscene. I won't even get anywhere close to the obscene number. Right? It, I don't know if you're comfortable with sharing with me what was so obscene. Right. There you okay, go. But I've already captured it. So they I've already got the light going. And then I come back and say, if you would be comfortable and I give them the out. And a lot of times if they're upset about it, they have no issue. Why? Because you're emotional with sharing with me with that. They're yeah. going to say they were at like 17 grand a month. And I saw their guy there once a month. It was like, blah, blah. And you're like, OK, let them dish, let them go. And so now what am I doing? I'm writing down going, um, multiple on-site visits, make sure that they check in with this person, right? And now I have a ceiling of the 17 grand because that's what he thought was bad. Now, if I have to go above it, how am I going to go above the 17 grand? Well, I'm going to be at $20,000 a month, but I got two people on-site and they've been trained to check in with you on each visit so you know how often they're there. So if they didn't check in with you during the week, you know right there, you can call me. And light me up on something. And, and once I again, just took it and gave it away. Yeah. It, it's a perfect tidbit because there's no way in that scenario, as you just laid it out, that the person doing on the buy side doesn't feel heard, doesn't feel understood or listened to, right. even if that number happens to also be in the obscene range. Yeah. And again, it, but again, you were paying a large amount for substandard service. What would you pay for, for exemplary service? service? You know, and now all of a sudden, all I've done is tell you this is where you're at. So do you think I could come in cheaper and provide better service? Because I know for a fact you went through a whole huddle of of stuff to go through with people. Right. Most yeah. companies nowadays, if they have over one hundred and fifty employees, it's going to take a committee of seven to say yes to any large purchase. Minimum. Yeah. And why? Because everybody is sitting back going, well, I'm not putting my reputation solely on the line. I need to share blame. Mm -hmm. So if I pick you and it's the wrong move, I don't want to lose my job. Yeah. And so, again, that's where testimonials going to the person afterwards would make more sense. But, you know, I've, I've often given the, the very pithy comment that. B2B buying, I actually feel is more emotional than B2C buying 
for a lot of the reasons that that you're going into, right? Like it can be a career limiting move. You can be known as the guy who got who bought that CRM. You know, you could be mm-hmm. known as like you're associated with the decisions that you know you champion or you help bring into the company because every sale is a change, right? <laughs> the change didn't go well. Um, you wear it. Yeah, you own it. And it, again, it's the scarlet letter that walks around and go see that that's dumb CRM guy. Yeah. Yeah. See that, see that over there? That's telephone system that doesn't work guy. Yeah. So that's exactly right. And for those reasons where we don't want to talk about it, like we don't love acknowledging those emotional components and the personal components that I feel like those are always very like seldom used tactics with inside sales teams. I, and I don't really know why. Well, again, it's just, it's really hard. Again, inside sales, what am I doing? I'm selling something, nothing tangible. Right. Right. And so I'm selling you a dream. So it's going to be on my ability to articulate the outcome for you so vividly you can see it. The issue is, is that most of us don't want to put in that much effort for a guy who's going to say no at the end, not realizing that your mindset of him saying no at the end is what's going to tell you to cut corners and for him not to have enough to feel confident enough to buy from you at the end. Yeah. So I go into everyone, like when I build call centers that are appointment-based ones, I tell everybody when the phone rings, you have to yell appointment before you pick it up. (laughs) Right. And again, and they're like, but what if somebody else is on the phone? I go, you know what the client just heard? Appointment. Yeah. Right. So now they know we're going for an appointment. That doesn't hurt you. No. That puts that puts fear of missing out into that per, that prospect going, wait, they got an appointment? Wow. What's going on? So I'm, I'm picturing that scene in Boiler Room where uh, <laughs> the trainee yells, Rick! <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, and that's again, but what are you going into the, what's your mindset going in? Yeah. Right. And how do you do that? But like, for wow. example, on the neuroscience side, do you know that as human beings, we would much rather watch a cartoon than flip through a PowerPoint? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so if you could build a PowerPoint that has a character going through them for someone to watch, right? We, What's what's one of the biggest apps out there is TikTok. Why? It's all video. Yeah. Right. It's very rare to see somebody get a lot of likes or anything on a still picture that just has a bunch of reading that you have to do. So understand your clients are there. When I do PowerPoints, if I'm doing one where I want somebody to copy what's on the PowerPoint and say, here, take a picture of this so you can use it later. Um, then I'll, I'll put the words up there. Otherwise it's, it's one word, two words at the most. Yeah. And it's only designed to trigger me to talk about something because I should be focused more on them than I am reading. And so again, are you more focused on reading a script while you're over the phone? Are you more focused on, you know, copy pasting something because it's easier? Do we always use just templates? Yeah. And getting those mental pictures or controlling the mental pictures in people's brains. Yep. Super powerful that way. There was a a movie with Robert De Niro where he was selling cars. Right. And he walks around the thing and he pops the trunk of this seven series BMW with a couple there. And he looks at him. He's playing the Italian mobster. Right. So he stops and goes, you see that you could fit like four dead bodies in there. Right. (laughs) Well, everybody listening right now, pictured four dead bodies in some configuration in the trunk of a BMW because I gave you all that information for the picture. Here's right. the deal. I didn't tell you what color was the BMW. What color was it? Right. In mine, you it was black. There you go. See, it was a mobster one. That's a natural <laughs> correlation that goes through. Do you see what I'm saying? But the yeah. customer gets, if the customer owned a white seven series BMW, then they pictured that one. Yeah. But my answer is always, would you want to buy something after you've had to picture the most ugly scenario possible? You can't. And are you going in there going, hey, what happens when the server goes down? Hey, have you thought about you know what the uptime is on these other? And you're trying to be positive with it, but you're giving them negative pictures. And those negative pictures are associated to you. Yeah. And I break down the, the sales process 
sales, relationships, anything you want to look at, break into four steps. Like, listen, believe, buy. <laughs> okay, you can, th- you can take any, I tell people all the time, how many steps do you have a sale in your process? And they're like, oh, we've got, you know, nine steps to a sale. But I'm like, great, just don't do 12 because that's a recovery program. But all of them will fit into my four. <laughs> and okay? the first step is uh, always a doozy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and if you're if you're having to go apologize to your customer, that's you're you're in the wrong program. So, but I, I look at it and I go again. Assume rapport. That's going to be into the like phase. I tell people when I go in and show people, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take the next call. I start talking. They're like, how are you guys laughing within the first thirty seconds of the phone call? And I'm like, oh, that's my buddy Bill. Yeah, and they're like huh? I'm like, well, it's his name's written right here on my list that I was supposed to call Bill. So that's my buddy, Bill, not this is some guy who's going to be upset. I'm calling him. Oh, that's CEO, Bill. Oh, exactly. No, no, no. Not the guy who's eternally busy and blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm like, you mean the guy who's wishing somebody would take something off of his plate today so he didn't have to do it? That guy, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I have clients that hire me and I know deep down they're hiring me to make the decision so I can be blamed if it fails. Consultants world. Yeah. But they're like, hey, we want to, we, we need a new phone system. What should we go with? Yeah. And I'm like, so your IT guy can't recommend a, a phone system for you? You can't do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. I know. It's easier to get rid of a consultant later. I get it. And so, and again, what, what if I say an ABC phone system is the best? And they go get it. If it fails, it's my fault. If it succeeds, yeah. it's theirs. Yes, totally. Right? And I'm Success okay with always has a thousand fathers. Because you paid me. I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm, I'm paid to take a blame if I need to. I love so, that. And if I, if I deliver enough results while I'm there, you're not going to get rid of me over a mistake. No, so. you won't. Oh, my gosh. This has been a tour de force. Joe, this has been awesome. Um, for anyone wanting more goodness, more Joe <laughs> for any of the businesses that, that you currently represent, where should they go? Uh, so the easiest way to find everything on the web about me is the genius So it's a link page that'll show you access to every piece of social media, every place of video content, any website that I have. I think I have like six businesses at this point that we run depending on the industries and go through. So Whatever it is you're looking for, it's there. There's free training there. There's all kinds of stuff. Of course, I have my podcast, which is the Sales Genius Podcast. So just don't Google my name. Okay. If you Google my name, there's some kid named Joey Ingram who's been playing World Professional Poker Tour forever. And so he's younger than me and out SEOs me. But Joe Ingram Sales, I own the whole page. Key point of differentiation there. Yeah, that was my keyword was sales for those of you that were paying attention to that. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, once again, Joe, thanks you. Thank you so much. This has been great.